can. You got me, Joe. We said up front a couple weeks ago that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, not because of what is happening, because I don't know what's been happening. You may have had a great December, all the way from when we had kids' company at the beginning of the month, right, through to the end. That was a great way to kick off Christmas season. Or you may have had a, oh my goodness, where did this month go? Or you're like, I thought I was supposed to slow down. Oh, am I ready for the big day tomorrow? We try to make Christmas into this most wonderful time of the year sometimes when really we can't always predict how well it's going to go. But we do know this, that it's the most wonderful time of the year, not because of what is happening, but because of what has happened when God sent his son into the world. And if you've been around a church a long time, well, you were used to celebrating God coming into the world and Christmas and the Advent season. Maybe if you've not been all that connected with God or church, uh, you sort of know the story. It's out there. It hangs with you. But with all the commercialism, it sort of gets lost in the midst of it. But we have to stay afresh and discovering not only in a season such as Christmas, the wonder of God coming into this world, but the wonder of God coming into our life and making us alive with him. You know, if you're new to the awakening, we call ourselves the awakening church and our sort of our little mission statement is becoming fully alive in Christ and to his mission. I do not like dead people. Now, I'm not talking about people who've lost their physical life, people that just exist. Have you ever fallen into that category in life, just existing and trying to maintain? But I love being around people who are contagious and fully alive. And some of the most fully alive people that I've ever found in my life are those who have Christ at the center of their life and have a personal relationship with him. In fact, when I was a a young uh, teenager, it was some people around me that were fully alive in Christ and to his mission, to the cause of what Christ came for, that caught my sense of wonder and purpose. And they're the ones that help explain to me that it's the most wonderful time of year, not just a moment in time, but all of life because of what God did, what happened. I trust this is not true of your life, but tomorrow is Christmas. And you could have very well come to this point and even blow through tomorrow and into the next day and not have refreshed yourself with the story of Jesus. I don't think you're going to find it promoted at school too much. They're not going to take a, a, a work break or maybe your office party's not going to sit down and articulate the story of Christmas. It's our responsibility and our opportunity in a moment such as this to retell the story of Jesus' birth. And whether you're young this evening or you've been around a long time, Let the wonder of what happened recapture your heart. You know, in this book called the Bible, it's just a bunch of documents, right, put together that uh, tell truth. And there's four what's called gospels in here that tell a story about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Isn't that pretty cool? It wasn't just good with one account. We get four, four gospels. Gospel means good news telling us what happened. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, you need to know this, that Matthew and Luke really tell the Christmas story. If you've ever heard the Christmas story, it's in those two Gospels pretty much. Because Mark and John really don't tell the story of what happened. Mark, in fact, Mark just starts off, he has one sentence, and he says, you know, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah who came. Boom, let's go, let's get at it. And so he's into it, John the Baptist, everything that started to happen with Jesus. So, boom, he moves on. Now, John, and we've been focused in the Gospel of John some the last couple of weeks. John, John was, um, he was probably more um, educated and had more credentials to tell the story than anybody. Because at the cross, when Jesus died, he looked at his mother Mary down from the cross and said, Mary, this is John. Take him as your son. John, take Mary as your mother. And so John, he took care of Mary. Even after the resurrection, John was there. And John had all this history looking back, and he had opportunity to interact with Mary, say, what was it like to have the angels show up to you? That would have been a real cool moment. What was it like, Mary, when Joseph found out? How did he really respond, right? And Mary, uh, what was it like when when Jesus was actually born in the world and, and then all the people came around? John did not tell us the story. John didn't tell us what happened, but John told us why it happened. Why it happened. And that's why when you see John, you'll you'll see verses in his gospel like this, John 1, 9. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And John, he articulated over and over again how Jesus Christ coming into this world, not the what, but the why, was so that you and I could see our lives changed and transformed. He began to articulate just in the first chapter up front. He says, you know, this is the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. This light can change your life if you let it. And then he says in John 1, 12, he says, Yet to all who did receive him. Now, you've got to remember, John's looking back. He's writing this when he's really old. And he's looking back and he's thinking, Man, this whole Advent season, why would we celebrate Christmas? God in a body. Oh, my goodness. God in a body came here to, to redeem us and to, to give us a relationship with God because we couldn't approach and touch him. He's looking back at all this and he says, Man, this is what it is. Yet to all who, who, who did receive him. And he's like, Nobody's going to get that. Nobody's going to understand and what receive is. And so then he does something sort of unique. He takes two, two Greek words and sort of puts them together. And, you know, sometimes you ever done that where you put two words together and it forms a new kind of saying or phrase that becomes sort of cool? Like, you know, uh, something that those of us that were in the 70s and 80s look back on, oh, yeah, I remember that phrase. That was an end phrase. Well, he creates a whole new phrase for people to understand what needs to be happening. And so he says, to those who did receive him, to those who, who, who believe in his name. Those are the two words he puts together. Believe, faith, pistos is what it's called. And then the word in is ice uh, in or into. He puts these two words together that had never been put together in the Greek before. Yeah, I know this is a little geeky or it's a little maybe Greeky. I don't know. But it's, 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 he puts these two words together, believe in. And this is so critical today with our culture and our world. Because he was saying, just you don't, it's not good enough to believe about or believe that. 
That's what you're supposed to do this time of year. Believe that Jesus was, yeah, the light of the world, God in the flesh. I understand it, God, and I'm not too sure about it. But I, I believe that, you know, that doesn't matter in John's opinion. He says you have to believe in, you have to believe into, which means you believe so much in something that you begin to trust it like this chair. I can believe that it holds me, right? But until I place my weight on the chair, I've not believed in the chair. And so John says, yet to all who did receive him. What's that mean? This is what it means. To those who believed in his name, who trusted him for their hope, their salvation, their life, who placed him as Lord. If you do that, then he gives you the right to become children of God and have that eternal life. Question, has that happened? Or do you just believe about or believe that? So John, he, he goes down this road. He says a lot more things. He gets to the end of his gospel. And he says, but these things are written that you may believe, believe in that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have fully alive kind of life in his name. And you may not believe it. I don't know where you stand, but you're never, ever fully alive until you believe into Jesus Christ, who came to be the light and the life for you. And that's the message that we steward. So Mark, he just, boom, he's off the bat. John's out of the box a little bit explaining some of the why. But it's Matthew and Luke that describe the story. The story of Jesus. Some of you may recall this because it was a part of your childhood. Some of you maybe. Recall it from this last few weeks, even if you're a child here today. But I think one of the great moments happened back in 1965. There was a character who articulated the Christmas story, and he articulated it from the other two Gospels. I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Mister, I... Charles Schultz, the creator of Charlie Brown 
I'm grateful that that's still on television today. I want you to notice something. Maybe you've noticed this before. In fact, one of our worship team people had spoken of it. Linus. Linus, um, he was known as the mature and wise one of the Charlie Brown bunch. But Linus always carried around his blue blankie. Right? Any of you ever had blankies growing up? I had blankies growing up. And he would suck his thumb. But he had a lot of light, uh, wisdom to say, and there he was. He was telling Charlie Brown, this is the true meaning of Christmas. Because you go crazy in the consumerism world to say, well, I need meaning. And he points out that the angels appeared. And they said, what? Heart. And they said, don't be afraid. Linus drops his blankie in this video clip. It's the only time he ever is seen without his blankie. Could it be that Linus, in that particular moment, for the first time, is articulating that I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be afraid because of what this story is about, of what Christ has done. Just a little interesting sight. We could spend a lot of time digging up into the Matthew and the Luke account. Luke, if you want to know what Luke wrote his gospel for, Luke says, man, time's passing. There's a lot of things. I need to give an accurate representation, an accurate representation of what the story really is about. And Linus, he sort of likes the uh, King James Version. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to just read it from a New Living Translation. And in this Living Translation... Listen to the story as it unfolds. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to the man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, I'm sure she was. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary. The angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The God, the Lord God will give him the throne and his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. That's in the first part of Luke, but then if you go to Matthew, you get sort of the Joseph side of things. Now, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, had just, being just a man, decided to break the engagement quietly so as not to disgrace her publicly. Because in those days, if you were engaged, if you will, it was like being married. And this was quite a uh, word on the street that was happening. As he considered this, he fell asleep, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary. For the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And catch this. This is the key. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Now, it's interesting. Jesus, that's... um, 
in, in the original language, it would not have been Jesus. It, it actually would have been a Yeshua because uh, that's how it was pronounced in the Hebrew. But a, another Greek way of saying it would be Joshua. And so when it was come, it's like, hey, you need to name this, this child Joshua. They were thinking of Joshua, the Old Testament, and how Joshua came and conquered. And so there was this understanding in their minds that the Messiah would came to liberate them from the external bondage that they were in, not realizing that Jesus, Yeshua, Hebrew, would come to save people from their sins. And then if you were to go back to Luke, and the most critical passage in Luke, of course, is found where they're talking about what the angels did that night. Some of the shepherds were in their fields, the village, guarding their flocks at night. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared before them and around about them. The radiance and the glory of the Lord surrounded them. They were terribly frightened. And as we mentioned, they said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is how you will recognize him. You will find a baby lying in a manger, wrapped snugly in strips of clothes. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, and they declared... Glory to God in the highest, in the highest heavens and peace on earth to all whom God favors. I want to invite up the worship team. John understood this story when he explained the why. He said that in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. That the light shines into the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. There's a lot of darkness in our world. There's a lot of darkness that's even in our own hearts. In fact, the darkness in the world comes from darkness in our own hearts. I read this week that you know that in World War I, 1914, the Western Front of France, the British armies were up against the German armies. They had only been fighting for five months and 800,000 people had either been killed or wounded. It was tragedy all over the place. And it was Christmas Eve. And on Christmas Eve in 1914, five months into World War I, the British soldiers, as they were entrenched, they stuck up a sign that said, Merry Christmas. And they began to sing Christmas carols. And in that night, from across the way the German soldiers that were in their trenches they began to sing with them and as that evening progressed here in the western fronts of France middle of World War I all kinds of evil darkness going on in the world there was a moment the soldiers got up out of their trenches and they walked into no man's land You don't stand in no man's land. The crossfire. They started to exchange sweets and some cigars. And in one particular place, they actually played a game of soccer. Soldiers that had just been firing at one another days before. The evening came to a close and they all went back to their camps. And the next day, Christmas, nobody did anything. They just waited. They weren't going to be the first ones to start firing at one another again. In fact, 
It took new troops coming in that knew nothing about that moment of peace that happened for the bullets to start flying again. Friends, you and I live in a dark world. It's a dark world because of the darkness in us. But the hope that we have is that in Him is life, and that life is the light of all mankind. And when the angels proclaimed peace on earth, goodwill to men, it's possible, but peace will never happen unless Jesus Christ is at the center, at the center of hearts and lives and the center of our worlds and our communities and our our nations. Jesus came the first time to destroy evil in the hearts and lives of people and reestablish a relationship with him. He will come again, scriptures say, to establish an eternal kingdom of physical peace. But he is a savior of the world, and that's what had to happen the first time. He came, he died on a cruel cross, and on that cross, he died for your sin and mine. He was laid in a grave. But three days later, he was raised up from the grave. He broke the chains of death. He brought light into darkness. And he brought hope for you and I even here this evening. In a little bit, the worship team is going to play a song. And the ushers are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. After that song, we're going to have a candle lighting time. Do some more carols. But in this particular moment, I want to ask you, is there darkness in your heart where you need the light and life of Jesus Christ to come and change? If so, then you just can't believe about this story. You have to believe into it. Place your faith in Christ. Ask him to forgive your sins, come into your life, and be the leader of your life. You don't have to be perfect. You come just as you are. He's the one that helps you change your life. You can't change your life and become good. Only the one who is good can come and change So I want to pray with you. And then we're going to sing this song. And if you would like to do what John said clearly in his scripture to do, to believe in him, to believe in the one that God sent as his only begotten son, to believe in him so that you would not perish but have eternal life, and that's just not living forever. That's fully alive now. Then you would do that. And we just simply bow your heads as we sing and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be the light of my life. The verse after that says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There is hope for our world. There is hope for our nation and all nations. There is hope for this valley, and there is hope for your life and your family. But that hope begins with letting Jesus Christ come in your life. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus. In this moment, Emmanuel, God with us, if there is anyone in this room who wants to see a new start, may they just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into this world and being the light and the life. Thank you for dying on a cross and being raised from the dead to bring new life. And Jesus, I now repent of my sin. I turn from indifference and double-mindedness, whatever path I've been on, and I choose to be a follower of you tonight. Jesus, come into my life. I want to live forever with you, and I want your life to bring me to a place of aliveness every day that I live. Amen? If you prayed that prayer on the back of your connection card or front, there's a place to play. I believe, I believed in Christ to have a relationship with him. We'd love to help follow up with you, to encourage you how to have that relationship. This song describes the era that we live in. Let's sing it together, and then we're going to step into a time with the king.
personally, spiritually. There is life and resurrection in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing this together. Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoices But then Jesus arose without freedom in hand. Yes, you think That's when death was arrested and our lives began. Sing it out, come on. This way death was arrested and our lives began. Sing it out. Oh, your grace so Washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. Yes, you let me smoke out. It's your way. There is love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Now life begins with you. We're free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song in the world of a dream. We're free, free, forever, amen. When death was arrested, my life began. We're free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song in the world of a With death was a rest my life began. With death was a rest my life began. absence of light, the loss of direction, no frame of reference, the presence of fear and uncertainty, void, and then a light. It starts as a flicker. It's not glaring for all to see, but it's a light nonetheless. Beautiful and mysterious, helping us to see, guiding us, warming us, comforting us. It is growing. It is shining brighter now, 
in one timeless moment, something of heaven is birthed through the tears of a teenage girl and the cry of a newborn baby king. All of heaven is perched at the edge of the sky, watching, waiting. God is sending the light of heaven into the dark of this world, to the young, to the old, to the weak, to the strong, to the lost, to the found. He is coming to us. He is walking with us. He is dying for us. He is living in us. Our unthinkable darkness is being shattered by unbearable light. And we gather to see, to view with fresh eyes again, the light that all the darkness in the world cannot ever extinguish. Jesus is the light of the world. beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was light, and the light was the life of man. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But to as many who received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, glories of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. No man has seen God. Not one single person has seen God at any time. But the only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the right hand of the Father, He has revealed Him. For it was God who sent his son, the light of the world, on that night 2,000 years ago.
you might have not only light, but that you might have life. God bless. And on behalf of my family and I, our staff, Merry Christmas.